Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone here. And yeah, we got show here. And can you believe we are almost done with the month of February? I cannot believe it. I know it's a short month, but it just seems like it got a little bit shorter. There's so much going on. We had the Super Bowl. It's it's Valentine's Day. It's Black History Month. It's anything else I leave off? It's just a lot going on here. And that includes our show because we have a lineup of guests. We're going to leave this month with a bang, bang, bang. And so let me tell you about our guest here, starting with one of our favorite people, Chris Wolsey, who is the Senior Director of Communications for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. And he will be here to tell us what's going on with Redbox for this month. And, you know, Chris, he always... And we all know that Chris always has something cool, fun, and exciting as far as streaming films and television shows under the brand of the Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment brand. So Chris will be joining us shortly. We also have a guest from the new NBC uh, show that just started. It's called Deal or No Deal Island, brand new unscripted reality show. And so we have one of the contestants from the show, and she is quite entertaining. Her name is Kim Matina. She's the oldest contestant on the show, but that does not stop her at all. No, it doesn't. So we'll be talking to her as well. We also have uh, an author, and she is also a television uh, sports personality and a philanthropist. We're speaking about Bonnie Jill Laughlin, and she has a brand new book that's titled In a League of Her Own, Celebrating Females First in the World of Sports. And so if you love women's sports, maybe you have a relative or yourself, this is a great book that you should read or get as a gift for the young female athletes in your life here. And finally, we have one of the principal cast members from the hit historical drama series, The Chosen. Oh, what a series that, oh my goodness, that, that series it has over 770 million viewers around the world. And can you believe it started off as just a mild-mannered crowdfunded project? And now look at it. Just look at it. And so, again, we have uh, our guest from uh, The Chosen is Elizabeth Tabish, and Elizabeth stars as Mary Magdalene in the role. What a juicy role that is. So if you are a fan of The Chosen, make sure that you tune in or go grab a friend or a relative if they are fans of The Chosen. And just everybody gather around the radio and gather around the computer so that you can hear the interview that I did with uh, Elizabeth Tabish, again, who stars as Mary Magdalene from the hit show, The Chosen. So that is our lineup of guests. And as always, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will be chatting with our favorite guy, Chris Woolsey from Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. And he will be telling us what's hot at Red Box for the month of February. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Okay, listeners, it is that time of show when we speak and chat and have a lot of fun with one of our favorite people around here on the show, Chris Woolsey, who is the Senior Director of Communications for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. And from what I understand, there's a lot of hotness going on at Redbox for the month of February. So, Chris, how much hotter is it going to get? It is so hot over at Redbox HQ. We've got to open up all the windows, Janice, I'm telling you. (laughs) Okay. 
So, you know, we, we've talked uh, last week about how, you know, February is a short month, but there's a lot going on. I mean, you've got uh, Valentine's, obviously. Uh, we've got Black History Month. There's all the excitement with football going on. And uh, Redbox has you covered. We've got a ton of great stuff. Um, for Valentine's, um, we have, of course, um, some Chicken Soup for the Soul original films. You know, we have a new rom-com uh, original rom-com every month on Chicken Soup of the Soul, free streaming. And um, so they have let our friends from Redbox, uh, given them access to some of those as well. And we've got a really good one called The Wedding Arrangement. And, you know, if you like uh, those kind of like formulaic uh, romance films, this is a great example. It's really cute. Um, so it's about a botanist who gets hired to do flower arrangements for this over-the-top multi-million-dollar wedding, and she needs some help, and so she hires this nature photographer in town to help her with this because she figures, you know, he takes pictures of flowers all, all day. He must know how to put them together, and uh, it ends up, of course, uh, they they go together like uh, oil and water, and it looks like nothing is going to grow from this relationship. But it seems that the flowers of love. Uh, mm -hmm. might be able to overcome the conditions. Um, really cute. It's starring Christina Cole Geddes from Billions and Cody Griffiths from Good Girls. Um, it's an adorable cast and very, very fun. Perfect for, uh, you know, curling up on the couch on Valentine's and, and watching it with your significant other. Oh, how sweet. Okay, okay. So I'll... The botanists are now falling in love. Every profession, they're all falling in love in February. Okay, I love it. <laughs> love it. That's how it rolls. And so, I mean, don't tell me if you got another film. Maybe this time the garbage man is, okay, that's not nice. But he's fallen in love. But who's next? Who's falling in love for this month? Well, this is one of my favorite actresses. Um, so this is a film called Song One. And this is starring Anne Hathaway. Oh. Um, I don't need to introduce her to you. No. She's uh, been a, a powerhouse talent for the last 20 years. Uh, and she's phenomenal. I, sorry, I got to be honest with you. I was a theater major. I am not a gigantic fan of musicals. There are musicals that I like, uh, Les Mis and, and um, some, some of those. But what I do love are movies that use a lot of music, but they integrate it into the actual story itself. It's not like two people just walking down the street and, hey, let's just mm -hmm. break into song, you know? Yeah. And song one does that beautifully. So it's about uh, Anne Hathaway's brother is in the intensive care unit, and he's not doing well. And she thinks that if she can get his favorite musician – to come to his hospital bedside and sing to him, maybe that will be enough to snap him out of the illness that he's struggling with. And so it's about trying to track this guy down. Um, and uh, it's played by uh, Johnny Flynn from Emma. Um, really a sweet movie. The music in it is beautiful. And um, it's just a great story. Um, and, you know, where, uh, love, not only the love she has for her brother, but some unexpected love uh, that sprouts up as well. Uh, and you know, of course, Anne Hathaway just nails it. Of course she does. She's so talented. I once stood in front of her at a Rexall pharmacy, um, and I had a really difficult time making my purchase because I was so freaking out that I was standing two feet away from Anne Hathaway. Chris, you have the most funniest encounters with celebrities. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I probably should not be allowed outside. But, you know, it, I, I keep running into these people. Rex All Pharmacy. Wow. That's okay. Moving right along. <laughs> what a story. Okay. Anybody else for Redbox? Yes. Um Outside of the uh, Valentine's um, genre, we have a really fun um, 
So this is kind of a this is a throwback to earlier in her career, also one of the biggest actresses in Hollywood. Um, but this is a very big fan favorite. If you Google this, uh, so many uh, fan pages come up. Uh, and this is a kind of a, a bit of um, late 90s um, sort of sci-fi. It was right when all the um, like tech movies started coming out. And this is Angelina Jolie's Hackers. Um, and it's about teenage hackers who discover a criminal conspiracy um, and they end up trying to foil this uh, environmental disaster that's about to happen. Um, Angelina Jolie, it was one of her first movies. Um, Johnny Lee Miller from The Crown, um, who's been nominated for a ton of stuff as well. Um, it is really, really fun to, not only is it a great film, but also just to see these people who are now uh, gigantic stars uh, really, really early in their career. Oh, man, did they ever grow up and become superstars? Ooh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but I mean, I like, that's a genre that I also like, you know, anything involving kind of like, like spy-ish, espionage-ish, save the yep. world-ish. I love it. That's it. So I got to, I'm a big Angelina fan, of course, so that will work out. So, okay. So we will put that one down. I'm taking notes on some of these movies that I'm going to go back and see because I usually do it on weekends. So, okay. Anybody else? Yeah, so, you know, along with uh, millions of other people, my heart has just been broken at the news of Bruce Willis and um, the, the health struggles that he's currently battling. And I don't know about you, but I've been a gigantic fan of his for, I can't even, I can't even remember, probably since Moonlighting. Moonlighting for I mean, me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just made an indelible mark on the entertainment industry in so many different ways. And um, so, you know, with, with people like that, when their careers uh, seem to be uh, over, I, I, I start to panic a little bit because I'm like, I, I've got to see more from them. Like, they're so great. There's got to be more stuff. And, and I love digging up old films that uh, maybe were passed over just because some of their other titles were so much bigger. And this is a great example. This is Hearts War, H-A-R-T-S. And it stars Bruce Willis and Colin Farrell way early in his career. He looks like he's about 12 in this movie, as well as Terrence Howard, who is in uh, the first Iron Man and a, a million other things. And this is a, a period piece about a law student during World War II who's captured and then asked to defend a black prisoner of war who's falsely accused of murder. It's full of intrigue, full of history, and it takes place during World War II, which I'll pretty much watch anything that takes place during World War II. Oh, you're a history buff. Okay. 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 I, I mean, I will watch that one just for the cast. Oh, Seriously. Yeah, that that is a serious cast of acting, serious cast of talent, it should say. Oh, my stars. Okay. And then, again, that would be a great salute uh, for us longtime fans of Bruce Willis, can't lose with that. That's so awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Now, give me, give me the name of it one more time. Make sure I got the title right. That one is Hearts War, H-A-R-T-S. Okay, Hearts War. Okay. And finally, one more for Redbox. Yeah. So, you know, we have a ton. We talked about Black History Month. We have a ton of great uh, documentaries and biopics. Um, we have a really beautiful film I highly recommend. And this is another example of a movie that uses music in an organic way to tell the story. Um, and this is called Urban Hymn. And it uh, is based, loosely based, on uh, the director's um, life, early life. And it's about a troubled teenage girl who discovers that she has an amazing singing voice, but she's got to overcome sort of the challenges that her home and her community present her with at this stage in her life. And she meets an inspiring and really rather unconventional social worker who kind of takes her under her wing and um, helps make sure that this young woman's beautiful talent 
is not squandered. It's a it's a really neat story, very heartwarming, and um, perfect for Black History Month. Oh, right. Okay, give me that title also one more time. Urban Hymns. Urban Hymns. H-Y-M-N. Okay, Urban Hymns. Good, unique title there. Love that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. okay, uh, I guess if there's not one more, we will wrap this one up, too. Oh, I have a hundred more. You know me, Jim. <laughs> okay, give us one more for the house. Okay, another um, another title that uh, is showcasing tremendous black talent, and um, that is the movie Olympia. Very cute. It's it's kind of a rom-com, kind of a coming-of-age, um, kind of, you know, just sort of a combination um, one of those movies that kind of has a difficult time defining, um, but it's very sweet. It's about a Chicago artist um, played by Mackenzie Chin uh, from The Big Leap, and she has come to a crossroads in her life where she realizes if she wants to continue to grow and succeed, she really has to shake things up. And so she completely upends her life uh, in terms of uh, her career and her relationships and her uh, physical location, and um, she also goes on a road trip. Um, but it's it's a beautiful kind of a coming of age story. Um, kind of fits with Black History. Kind of fits with Valentine's. Um, sort of covers all the bases. But it's really well done, and I think it was a very underrated indie film. Olympia. It's beautiful. Oh, I'm, now that's an inspiring. I need some inspiration. I'll probably watch that one first. Okay. You will not be disappointed. Okay. Well, all right. That is going to do it for this February edition of What's Hot at Redbox.com. And once again, tell everybody how they can get in on all the great viewing at Redbox. They can go to Redbox.com or they can download the award-winning Redbox app uh, available at any app store and they can watch anything they want on their mobile their tablet, their connected TV. It's so easy. Um, And just click on watch free and see all the thousands of titles that you can watch for free on Redbox. Okay. Heavy emphasis on award winning app there. Congratulations on that for you guys. Thank you very much. Okay, Chris, well, we will see you next week on another edition of you and I talking and having fun from the Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment brands of very fine quality viewing. So we'll see you next week. I'll be counting the days, Janice. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Chris. Make sure you check out some of those suggested titles from Redbox for this month. So, okay, that brings me to our guest here. How many of you, if you are fans of reality competition television shows, will you have the opportunity, if you are, to see our next guest in action? Well, this past Monday night, uh, NBC had the premiere of a new competition reality series, Deal or No Deal Island. Yes, it's, I guess you could call it a spinoff of the original Deal or No Deal, except now we've got an island added in there. And so uh, this show is the best of a lot of worlds. It's the best of um, competition shows that, well, everybody vies for big cash prizes then, don't they? Well, anyway, uh, this show, was, again, was last um, this, just a few days ago, earlier this week. The um, the premise of the show, uh, and so there are 13 contestants playing for the ultimate prize. And so some of the contestants, former briefcase model Claudia Jordan is on. Uh, she's done very well for her career. Survivor legend Boston Rob Mariano is just, they're just two of the 13 Those are just three of the 13 competitors, and they are vying for the first challenge, which was smudging and drudging through some mud, searching for this high-value, lots of high-value briefcase kit. So the 13 contestants, they lived up to the challenge of going and trudging through mud, a lot of it searching for these high-value briefcases. And so one of those 13 competitors is our guest. Her name is Kim Matina, and she's the oldest contestant on the show. But you would not think so, the way that she was 
oh God, we saw her. She was trudging through that mud and just a fierce competitor. People, I think they underestimated Kim, but she showed everybody, the contestants, the world, the viewers, she is nobody to push over here. And when she's not competing on national television, Kim is uh, about to become a retired Air Force. Um, and when she's not on the show, uh, she is about to become a retired from the United States Air Force. She is a very active lady. She runs 5Ks. She's a mom, a wife. She just has a lot going on. And now she is known all over the world on NBC's new show, Deal or No Deal Island. So again, I had the opportunity to talk with her yesterday. So let's take a listen to my chat with contestant Kim Matina from NBC's new show, Deal or No Deal. So let's take a listen right now. So thank you for joining and coming on board here. And uh, I just want to say that you are Kim Matina and you are a part of this cast of this brand new show, Deal or No Deal Island. Is that, do I have the name right? Because I'm always messing names up. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Thanks, Janice. Okay. Well, Kim, we saw you and your cast and crew and everybody uh, in action earlier this week. Give us the summation. I mean, we know about the original deal or no deal, but now you got islands, you know, kind of put on there. So what is this new show all about? Well, this new show, Deal or No Deal Island, is the classic deal or no deal with a lot of twists involved. Um, being able to defend yourself from playing against the banker or being put in against the banker. And that's coming from the excursions that the banker is putting us through. Um, and some are relatively difficult. Um, some are very physical, some are mental. It's up to the banker. He's rather depraved in what he's thinking is going to qualify someone to be his biggest adversary. Well, as we saw, the whole world saw you, uh, as they say, you are playing chess, not checkers, because you took the gamble against Branson Wong, your fellow contestant, and you, you, you stole a million-dollar case. I mean, Kim, you were just doing this thing here. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I have to I have to play into my strengths. My strengths are not the physical competitions. My strengths are that I'm not going to give up. Okay? I may not be able to succeed in a first attempt, but I am not ever going to give up on anything and that's pretty much the way I've been all my life. Um I would say another strength of mine is that I do think strategically. So when I'm saying I, you know, they may have thought I was coming to play checkers, but I'm there to play chess. I have to work on that next move and make that next move and give myself an advantage somehow, some way. And that's what I had to do in this first episode I knew that I'm not going to be the one to make it through the mud. I I already know that. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not going to be the one to um, be able to get to the high cases early on like other people did. But I was able to see who got up on the dock early because I figure if they're up there early, it's because they think they've got big cases. Um, who's helping who? Things like that that... I have to use to my advantage to hopefully try and get through to the next excursion or to try and um, take advantage of the situation in order to not have to play the banker and not be chosen. So social game is a big part of that too, Janice. I mean, no, (laughs) I don't want anyone to pick me. That's all there is to it. 
Well, you are a lady who is accustomed to making top decisions as such. You are an Air Force veteran, and you really, of course, being in the military, stressful situations. So how did you end up on this show? I mean, Air Force to network television, that's a jump. How did this all happen? Well, it wasn't just a jump. It was a series of jumps. I was in the military 33 years ago. So um, there's been a lot of life experience between then and now. But in that time frame, over the course of the last 33 years, there have been a lot of shows that have started. And reality, reality TV really did not exist in what we see it now 33 years ago, especially competitive reality TV. So when things started ramping up towards that, I was very intrigued and very drawn to it and started watching it back in the day and have continued. It's not... It's something that I've enjoyed watching, but not necessarily was looking to participate in, mainly because I, I was a mother. I had my um, my jobs and career and things like that that were a priority. I, I didn't have the opportunity or the luxury to walk away from a paying job in order to take time away and play a game. At this stage in my life, I felt like I was able to do that. The timing was right for me to jump in and get my feet wet, but I had to be selective in what I would play because, you know, age does is a factor. Is It really is. And so I had to be very selective in what I could or could not do. Now, you are the show's oldest contestant. Uh, did that intimidate you at all about thinking about to audition for this show or what? It really did to some degree. Um, when I was selected for this show, I did ask a lot of questions. It's like, well, how physically demanding is this going to be? Because I wasn't willing to step away from my day in, day out, mundane life to take a chance on something I had absolutely no shot at. But because of the way that Deal or No Deal Island is set up, anybody has an opportunity to advance in the game and ultimately to win the game, to be able to play against the banker for, for that big pot at the end. Um, even if you don't do well in the physical aspect, if you're doing great in the social area of it, you potentially will not have a finger pointed at you if someone makes a great deal. Um, it's just there's so many different elements to this, not just physical, but mental and luck. Luck is a huge part of it. So really, anybody has an opportunity to get to the end. It's how you maneuver that opportunity. I can only imagine that some of, initially, that some of your fellow contestants, did, did anybody think that you would be, oh, she's just sweet and nice and not quite. Were they surprised <laughs> to see what a fierce competitor that you are? <laughs> um, I think initially... Well, let's just put it this way. I think they underestimate me. Uh, you know, they they are seeing this older woman, and I think they're and they underestimate me to some degree mentally, and maybe definitely physically. And I think that's a huge mistake to underestimate anybody in this format, in this particular program because the minute you underestimate someone they're going to be able to step in and do the big work yeah. that you were not expecting and finally here i know that how usually these uh 
reality shows work that they, the pre-taping and, you know, the contestants have to keep it a secret, of course. So in your case, was it difficult keeping a secret or, or, or what, you know, with family and friends that you were taping this show or what? Uh, it was difficult to keep it a secret on why I was gone. No, obviously, couldn't tell in advance, but you have to make arrangements, whether it's children or pets or things like that. But, yeah, no, I'm a pretty good secret keeper when I want to, when I need to. Um, I have both of my parents. I have my son, my sister. None of them know how none of them know how I've done in this show at all, even my parents. So when they watched it on Monday night, they were kind of surprised, I guess, that that I will be on for episode two next week. So it's it's a lot of fun. And you know what? I think the biggest part of that is I get to experience the excitement with everybody uh, because even though I know what goes on and what happens, they have no idea. So, you know, they had a good laugh at me being stuck in the mud. They cheered when I opened up the steel case and then cheered even louder when I um, was able to get Dawson to, <laughs> um, to fess up to having the million-dollar case. Therefore, hello, I am safe for one week. So they cheered so loud for that. They were excited. Oh, that that should have been a lot of fun. The viewing party. Uh, what do they have? You have it at your house or some other family members at the big viewing party Monday? Uh, didn't even have a big, big viewing party. Just had maybe a dozen or so people together to watch it. And it was so much fun. It was over at my parents. Um, because it was easier to have it there than it was to travel them somewhere. But it was um, it was exciting. And again, nobody knew whether I would even make it out of the first episode or not. So that was exciting. Oh, well, you did a wonderful job. And when I saw it, I said, I got to talk to this lady. And so here we are talking. And so you're such an inspiration for women and men. Uh, who are, you know, of a certain age, and you're showing that it can be done. Yes, national television, here, we, here you are. Well, thank you. Uh, you know what, and that, I think that was a big part of it for me, is that people, it doesn't matter what your age is. You don't, you don't have to have a certain skill set to still compete in something or to get up off the couch, um, get out the door, prepare, and be able to do something like this and to have an opportunity to play for millions and millions of dollars. I'm talking life-changing money at a certain age. You just don't figure that. A 1 in 13 chance at that kind of money just does not happen every day. And especially as you get further in life, it's less frequent that you have that opportunity. So what the heck? Why not get up and do it, right? Absolutely. And you're doing it in front of a national audience on NBC. That just tops it off with everything right there. That just oh, my gosh. <laughs> It does, that it's on NBC, that it's streaming on Peacock, that there, it's being replayed. Even though I've replayed it in my head a hundred times, it's actually being replayed on this major network that I've known that Peacock for years, forever. Um, NBC has been phenomenal on making sure the word was out there and giving us every opportunity to make this a successful show where, again, anybody can step into the role and play this game and be able to win. There is nobody that you go, yeah, they can't do it. Everybody can do it. 
Well, Kim, you are proving just that. And so we will see you in action again on Monday night, Deal or No Deal Island. And, of course, you have to keep it a secret. We'll just tune in with everybody else. And uh, we're going to cheer you on. So thank you so much for giving us some backstory about the show and how you got on the show. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Janice, thank you so much for taking the time to to speak to me and let me explain a little bit of my story and how exciting this is. It really is an amazing show. Definitely be tuning in every Monday night because... Oh, boy. Does it get spicy out there, Janice? Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Well, we're going to just find out how spicy it does get because we're going to tune back in. Monday night, everybody check the listings in your area so you won't miss it. So, Miss Kim, thank you again. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday night on Deal or No Deal Island on NBC, of course. So we'll see you then. Absolutely. Thank you, Janice. Have a fantastic week and weekend. Okay. You do the same then. See you you on Monday. Yes, you will. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. You are listening to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And, uh, yeah, we are happy that you have joined us as always here. We've got a load of guests here that we are trying to bring you so you can enjoy what they have to say about their projects and their work and such as that. So that brings me to our next guest. She is a very talented, multi-talented lady. Uh, she is Bonnie Jill Laughlin. Right now she is on our show to talk about her new book, best title, In a League of Her Own, Celebrating Female Firsts in the World of Sports. Now, this book, uh, again, true to its title, it features 19 very talented, powerful, impactful women in sports, and it shares their stories. And some of the ladies on the list are Billie Jean King, Layla Ali, Mary Lou Retton, and so many more. And as I said, uh, Bonnie Jill is a television sports personality. She is also a broadcaster. She's an author now and a philanthropist. As I said, she's a very multi-talented lady. And again, her latest book is In a League of Her Own, Celebrating Female Firsts in the World of Sports. So if you have a daughter or niece or maybe yourself uh, would like to read this book, I think it's wonderful to pass on and get, you know, as a gift to young ladies who are in sports. Anyway, I had the opportunity to talk with Bonnie Jill Laughlin. Uh, So without any further delay, so let's bring on my recent chat with Bonnie Jill Laughlin about her new book, In a League of Her Own celebrating female first in the world of sports. So let's roll it right now. Well, Bonnie, all have seen you and heard you as a sports broadcaster, your television personality, philanthropist, and an author. So this new book, In a League of Her Own, Celebrating Female First in Sports, this has been needed for a long time. Thank you for doing this book. And why did you decide to do it at this time? It was just something I felt was so important um, and so timely because I feel like women, especially women in sports, don't get enough credit. They don't get enough accolades. Um, and so I wanted to be able to have a book that encompassed all the women that have paved the way of female first because some of the women in the book have actually have their own book, like Billie Jean King and Layla Ali, but not a book that encompasses all the women. And it has 19 chapters. So to have you know, young women feel to be empowered and inspired by the women and to see that there's a place for them in sports, uh, whether it's on the field, whether it's in a front office, whatever that may look like, that there is space for them. And why do you think this book is so important now? Uh, at, we're in a new year, of course, but, but in this era. It's very important. You see that women are starting to, uh, you know, be coaches, uh, be referees, uh, you know, be in that, positions that normally men would be in and so to be able to like 
show that there are these women, because there's some, so many women in the book, too, that maybe people don't know about because it was before social media. You know, so when I've got Dr. Joanna Kirsty and Barry Retton and Nadia Comaniche and, you know, uh, Mignon, uh, Mignon Rayon, you know, some people may not know about these women, but they were the ones that actually were the first. And so I like people to know their stories because they were glorified, um, you know, maybe during that time, but not now. Now, I know we're close as far as having a, a, a female to coach an actual NBA team. Uh, how far away do you see that for a woman to be the head coach of an NBA team? Oh, I think it's coming very soon. You know, Becky Hammond, uh, you know, with the Spurs, Pop gave her that great opportunity. Then she went over to the women's side for WNBA. But the Aces, but I see her. I mean, there are many others. You know, Nancy Lieberman, who's actually in my book as well, that will uh, eventually be a woman that is the first female coach, head coach in the NBA, and I see it, you know, going across the league as well. And now, as I said earlier, you are such a trailblazer yourself in, in the area of women's sports, and you you got to talk to all of these ladies, these professionals, and they're first in sports. What was that like for you to meet probably some of your idols and mentors in female sports, females in oh. sports? Right. It was phenomenal, especially, you know, Billie Jean King. And then, of course, Nadia Kobanich. Uh, I was a little girl, Janice, like pretending I was her, you know, so like being able to tell her my story and me, you know, driving my parents crazy on our couches, pretending I was, you know, uh, her, you know, and being able uh-huh. to like speak with her. And uh, so many of them, some of us have crossed paths before, but some I'd never met. And so like Mary Lee Renton, being able just to talk to them and hear their stories and them to be so transparent with me. And for them, at the end of the day, say thank you to me for writing this book because they said it was, you know, much needed. So I had such great support from these ladies and not just telling their stories, but what I was doing. And that really made me realize that I was on the right path and I was doing the right thing. Okay. Got two more quick questions here. After people read your new book here, In a League of Her Own, Celebrating Female First in Sports, what would you like for their takeaway, walkaway experience to be when they shut that book? I think it's just to see what these women have done, uh, you know, not only in sports, for society and for women, and to, to see that there, like I said in the beginning, that there is a place for these women and there is a place for women to continue to get on even a broader and bigger stage and to know that these women put so much on the line and were under such a microscope constantly. You know, everything they did was magnified just because they were female and they were going to conquer. And a lot of them were able to balance being uh, a mother as well as yeah. being, uh, a, you know, a professional uh, athlete. So it was really, really neat just to be able to see Janice, like, the balance and for people to realize uh, at the end of the day what these women accomplished that you know people would never have thought would you know happen hundreds of years ago you know so it's pretty amazing to see these stories yeah those those stories when you see the professional athlete and the mom and with the little kids it's so sweet to see that because they're still moms yes so exactly and just you know I love it when I get these messages on social media Jenna's from you know, young women and even mothers say, thank you for doing this. My daughter is, you know, really wants to be a broadcast. She really wants to be a coach. She really wants to drive a race car. She never thought this was possible to these ladies. And now there's a book that he's been, you know, kind of seals the deal, if that makes sense, that yes, this, this I can do this. And there's so many other women that I didn't even know about that are doing this. And so I think for me, it's just that, that you know, knowing that these young ladies feel like they can do themselves and they that they have dreams that they actually can accomplish. That's not just dreaming, but no, dream big and I can get it done. And finally, uh, tell us about your nonprofit, Hounds and Heroes and Horses. What a great title. Yeah, yeah, Hounds, <laughs> Heroes and Horses, and it's a nonprofit. Um, my passion of giving back to the military, uh, so my whole family's military, and animals uh, and the welfare. So I wanted to combine the both of them together. So rescuing dogs, pairing them up with combat veterans, uh, dealing with PTS, TBI, amputees, so service therapy dogs, and then doing equine therapy retreats for uh, disabled veterans and disabled children. Uh, so it's it's a great way to, um, you know, kind of say it's like a win-win, and we're saving two lives, the suicide rate of veterans is all-time high, and then they also are for animals, you know, um, being put down to shelter. So it's a way to save lives uh, and make a difference.
Oh, well, what a great noteworthy cause. I love horses. I just, I grew up in Texas. Oh, so I love they're horses. amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have to come to my ranch, Dennis. Oh, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Well, I know you have to go. It's Super Bowl week and you have a lot of super things to do. Your Instagram is at Bonnie Jill. Instagram for the nonprofit is at Hounds, A-N-D, Heroes. We did it. So, Bonnie? The book, again, is in a league of her own, celebrating females first in sports. So thank you so very much for the book. Thank and for you taking so much, time. Janice. I appreciate it. And we'll send you a copy as well. Okay. Thank you, then. I look for yeah. it. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Bye-bye. Okay, so this brings me to our final segment for this show. Oh, my goodness, we've had some powerful guests here. And where is it to you hear about this guest? Well, how many of you out there are familiar with the mega-hit television series, The Chosen? Lots of hands I see here. Well, my goodness, if you are not familiar, well, my goodness, if you are not familiar with The Chosen, where have you been? So we're going to help you get familiar with this very powerful, uh, very well done uh, historical series. This series started off as a, 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 a crowdfunded project. And guess what? It has now turned into a global sensation with over 770 million views. Yes, in 175 foreign countries, and it will uh, soon be dubbed into over 50 foreign languages with plans to subtitle uh, more than hopefully 600. So it is huge. So what is The Chosen? Well, it is a historical drama. It includes a diverse cast of very talented actors, and they are based around the life of the followers of Jesus, but it is told in a very relatable, never-before style that is very suited for Generation Z and Millennials, as well as Baby Boomers, too. Now, The Chosen, as I said, it has become a cultural phenomenon with more than 10 million social media follows. So it has become a cultural phenomenon with more than 10 million social media followers. So uh, the entire season four, there is to season four right now. So right now, the entire season four is running exclusively in select theaters around the country up until March 10th. But do not despair because fans uh, will soon be able to see where it will start streaming uh, a little bit after March 11th or so. So to get the exact details on the viewing schedule, the streaming schedule, and the dates and starts and such, I highly suggest that you go to the official website, which is watch.thechosen.tv. And there you can get everything that you need to know about the viewing uh, on television, the viewing in theaters, just everything. And again, that website is watch dot the chosen dot tv to get the exact details uh, and the dates and locations and such. And so that brings me to our guest for this final segment. She is a very talented actress, Elizabeth Tabish. And Elizabeth stars as Mary Magdalene. And what a role this is for Elizabeth and any actress to, I mean, imagine you're playing and starring as one of the greatest uh, historical biblical figures that, uh, you know, so many of them in the Bible. And so, again, Mary Magdalene, of course, is one of them. And so Elizabeth does an outstanding job, if you've seen the show, of portraying uh, Mary Magdalene for this series, The Chosen. So, again, I had a chance to talk with her. And I am just, uh, it was just such a thrill to chat with her. So Elizabeth does an outstanding job in portraying the historical figure, Mary Magdalene, and what a role it is for any actress to portray such a historical figure from the Bible. So I had the opportunity to chat with Elizabeth just a few days ago. And so we had a wonderful chat. I don't want to be selfish. I want to let you in on it. So let's take a listen to my recent chat with actress 
Elizabeth Tabish, who stars as Mary Magdalene from the mega-hit historical drama series, The Chosen. So let's roll it right now. (laughs) Okay, listeners, I have my next guest on board. I am so excited to talk to uh, just anyone with the cast of The Chosen. And today I happen to be speaking with Elizabeth Tabish, who stars as Mary Magdalene in the blockbuster TV series, The Chosen. Uh, I think people call you Liz. Is that okay? Yes, yes. Okay, Liz, welcome to the interview and such. Are you as as excited about being a part of this cast as as fans are about this show or what? I am. I uh, I'm constantly pinching myself. It's it's been it's been such a dream role to get to play this um, this historical figure who means so much to so many, um, and then also to to get to live with a character for so long is a real gift for an actor. Um, and to see them grow and sort of grow with them is just it's just a it's a rare uh, occurrence I think for for actors to to get to do something like that so I'm, I'm always constantly grateful but then also just very excited because I'm a fan of the show too and I love these stories so much and I love how they're being told um, so it's just it's uh, it's a dream and so season four tell us about this the uniqueness of season four. Yeah, season four, it's, you know, it's the midway point because we're, we're planning on doing seven seasons and it's, it really does feel like that point of no return. Uh, there are a number of events that, that, that transpire throughout the season that are just shocking and, and devastating in a lot of ways um, that uh, change the dynamic of the group and, um, and everyone's sort of dealing with them in their own ways and, and processing grief in, in different ways. And um, it's a really, it's a painful season, but it's also, it's a really beautiful one too, though. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of meaning in this season and there's a lot of uh, realization of what is to come. And so as, as we're nearing the end um, the fun and frivolity of some of the earlier seasons is kind of pared down and we're starting to really focus in on, um, on Jesus's mission of why he's here and what he's doing. And, um, it becomes a little bit more serious and, um, and mysterious in a lot of ways too. It's the, the tone of the season is, is one of my favorites. It, um, it's, there's a lot to dig into as an actor and as an audience member. And now, uh, I understand that season four will be released exclusively in theaters. So have you had the opportunity, or what is that like for you to, you know, be in maybe a theater setting or maybe a, a fan viewing a session? Yeah. What is that like for you? It's so much fun. Um, these stories are, they're both cinematic in certain scenes and then also so nuanced the acting and performances and dynamics between characters are um, really beautifully nuanced. And so like watching them on the big screen, you catch everything, you catch every glance, every hesitation, every micro expression. And so it's like, it's you, you get that much more from it. It's really enriched by the experience of being in in the theater Um, and then getting to watch it. My husband and I went and saw the, the episodes for five and six in the theater and um and it was it was wonderful we we had reclining chairs and um it was a theater that like serves food and so we we just kind of like settled in and I was expecting to get you know because they're it's a pretty long experience I was expecting to get a little restless at some point and by the end of it I was like I want to see all all of this (laughs) I want to see like episodes one through eight in the theater in one sitting, I I was amazed by how how um, how enraptured I was, even having filmed it and knowing these stories. It's just there's so many beautiful stories that are told that like you just you want to sit and and watch forever, you know. <laughs> so hopefully audiences and fans are enjoying it the same way I did. Oh yeah, with these, I mean, you guys are in the triple digit millions as far as 
viewership around the world. So, yeah, I think it's a few fans that kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me, Liz, did anyone recognize you at the theater when you and your husband were there? We um we kind of snuck in. Okay. And uh some of the workers at the theater have recognized me and are so so sweet. Um but we kind of we came in and out at like specific times to not to avoid any interactions, but sometimes it's nice just to be anonymous and just to watch it as as a viewer instead of as a participant. Oh yeah. Um but in, in in other experiences in the past, going to the theaters, there have been some wonderful interactions and um, recognition and and um, and photos after and everything. It's it's been really fun in the past. Now you star, as I said earlier, as uh, the biblical character Mary Magdalene. For you, as far as preparation, I mean, so many of us have, you know, we know the story, the biblical story in its uh, original sense. But for you, what type of preparation did you do for this particular Mary Magdalene character, for this particular project? Um, I really, the, the writing for her story is so good and so um, relatable that I, I really leaned into to that. Uh I I trusted that the writers were were taking her on a trajectory that um was going to be meaningful and um and lead us to where we know she ends up at the crucifixion and at the resurrection um in a really artful and meaningful way and so I've just been I've been trusting that process um and and really trying to root it in what is actually said in the gospels and although the details are not super, you know, fleshed out, like the the facts in the Gospels are there. And um, and so there are so many versions of Mary that have been um, told throughout time, throughout media, these sort of speculative versions of her that I was just very careful to not um, to let myself be influenced by of like she is a certain way she is. You know, there's there's been a lot of um, a lot of curiosity about who she really was over the course of history, and so um, I I think hearing that Dallas shared, you know, when he was in Magdala, he he felt this pressure and this this sort of sense from God that like you have to get this character right, you have to get her right. Um, there's this trust I think I have in that of of their the care that they're putting into writing this character um is is really wonderful and and something I I really um I believe in because uh the effects of it I mean the the result of of what we've filmed so far is that so many people have shared their stories and shared that they see themselves in Mary and they uh, relate to her and her story is their story and um, and that they have found hope through this story through her and uh, because of all of that because of that sort of response I feel like we are on the right track in, in trying to tell her story in the most um, authentic way possible. Now, this uh, the core of this series is of course uh, faith-based. Have you personally away from the set have you found playing this character being a part of this huge series has it impacted your own life in any way in, in a positive way of course oh yeah I mean she's she's sort of always on my mind <laughs> you know um she's always in the back of my head and and um she's her story and the trajectory of her character has been really inspiring to me you know she she goes through so much and she is so transformed, but then we see her growth in this very realistic way where you can still get triggered. You can still fall back. You can still make mistakes. Um, and then she keeps trying and keeps trying and keeps trying. And I think that lesson has really stayed with me and, and shown me that like you, you know, we're not fully baked. <laughs> we're not fully finished. We are here. And that means we're in a process. And that means we're growing. And um, and I think that sort of permission to allow yourself to uh, 
change and to be better and try to be better is uh, is wonderful to sort of always have in the back of my head. Well, I have two last questions here. I have actually so many more, but I know we have a limited time here. <laughs> so uh, I understand The Chosen. You, there was a huge thousand stage, everything there in the middle of Texas where I grew up. So what is it like working in Texas for you? I was living in Austin when I booked oh, wow. uh, the role. I was there for about nine years. Uh-huh. And um, and so Texas is really familiar. I <laughs> The highway is I-35. Yes. Uh, all the all the restaurants and everything, T. Terry's. Of course. Um, yeah, all of it is, it feels like another home to me. So it's it's fun to, to get to come back to Texas when we're filming and, and still feel so familiar there. Um, people are sweet and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, the, the set itself is, you know, in this smaller town outside of Dallas. So it's it's nice to to have a sort of simple living, you know, while we're there, and then um, you know whatever amenities we need in in Dallas. If you need a, a nice restaurant or something, you can always go up to Dallas. But uh, yeah, it's it's I it, Texas is is wonderful. The the heat I could do without. Of course, yeah. <laughs> because it gets so hot in the summer, but uh, that's part of it now. We're, I think we're all getting used to the extreme weather conditions we filmed in. <laughs> so when does uh, the, the next season start? So do you guys obviously must start in the summer or when? We're starting pretty soon. We're starting season five um, in April oh, this year. Awesome. And um, I don't have schedules or scripts quite yet, but I think they're coming pretty soon. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing what's in store for everyone for, for season five. And finally, uh, the show again is such a huge success, uh, really all over the world. Have you had a chance, you and your family to travel to other countries and people, oh, there she is, there's Mary Magdalene, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or what? A lot of our travel has been, um, almost exclusively for the show. It's been press tours and greetings in different countries i've been so lucky to get to go see um we went to france and spain germany um amsterdam and then recently to london and to poland (laughs) excuse me um and so in all of these uh press tours and and travels it's been just incredible to meet the fans of the show from all these different cultures and different countries and to see the impact of the show on people from different cultures and countries, because uh, it's making me realize this is such a universal story and can touch people from any walk of life. And, um, you know, the come and see foundation has made it a priority to translate this show and um, dub it and subtitle it in, in so many different languages. And I think the goal is to get it to everyone on the, on the planet. And um, it's just such a unique project to be a part of and so special that, um, that not only is this story resonating with everyone, but, um, but the production and the Come and See Foundation cares so much about people getting to see it in their native language which will mean even more to them as they're watching it um, to hear these, these words in their language. Um, so it's been, it's been lovely and every, every place has welcomed us with such warmth and um, open arms. And uh, it's been, it's been such a joy to get to, to both travel and, and share this with so many different people. Oh, absolutely. And my last question here is how can fans reach out to say hello to you, your social oh, media contact? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm pretty limited with my social media. I just have Instagram. So any other accounts on any other platform, those are fake. Um, I have uh, a website and I have Instagram and um, I, I don't post all that much. Um, but I do post enough. I, I love getting comments from fans and hearing how they're, how they're, um, feeling about the seasons and about the scenes. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely to get to connect through that. I also, I am on Cameo too for, for videos for people's birthdays and uh, special events and everything. 
Oh, that's um, so fun. But for the most part, I'm a pretty shy person. And, <laughs> and um, um, I think the, the, I don't know if it's the celebrity of it all. I, I, I try to avoid <laughs> the cult of celebrity <laughs> because at the end of the day, we are, we are uh, artists and we're, we're working, you know, this is, this is our job. And, um, and if some sort of publicity or uh, awareness or um, social presence of us helps us get this story to more people, I think that's wonderful. And if it helps us get other jobs and other work, like that's, that's wonderful and special. Um, but in terms of like being a, <laughs> a public figure, I, <laughs> I usually shy away from that. Oh, well, it's hard to tell that you're still really shy because you're so, you know, <laughs> your acting is so, my goodness, you're just so talented here. Thank you so much. Very Thank much you. so. So, okay, people find you on Instagram. Just put your name in the search box and they'll find you. And yeah, I, my, my account is Elizabeth Tabish on Instagram. And, um, and yeah, I'll, I usually... I'll post some behind the scenes things and, and scenes and clips and okay. photos from the show and um, travel and stuff. And so, yeah, you can, you can see what I'm up to on okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the chat, Liz, and giving us some, some backstory of the making of season four and what's on your mind and such. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we will see you and the rest of your cast members on The Chosen. Okay. Take care then. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thank you so much, Liz, for chatting with us. Oh, man. What a show. What an opportunity. Anyway, we are out of time, and we want to thank all of our guests for joining us this week on Film Festival Radio Show. We just love it when we have a full lineup. But, you know, we always have a full lineup. Don't we? Yeah, we do. So thank you all, our guests. And of course, thank you all listeners, as always, for joining us. And we love your letters. Email us, info at filmfestivalradio.com. And we reply back. If you don't believe me, ask someone who's written to us and they'll tell you. So, okay, we'll see you next show. Have a great rest of your evening or your morning. Depends on what time of the day you're listening in and what country. So we'll see you next time, next show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. 